The blueberry industry is like no other. Passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the production, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Blueberries, the one and only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. I hope you had a chance to listen to our first two episodes, and we have another great one here for you today. Blueberries have certainly experienced tremendous growth over the past two decades, but where do we go from here? In today's episode, I sit down with longtime industry leader Soren Bjorn to discuss the big challenges and opportunities that lie ahead of us. You'll want to stick around to the end of this episode to hear key insights on blueberry demand, genetics, and global competition. In fact, this interview was so wide-ranging that we're going to break it up over two episodes for you. So you'll hear from Soren on today's episode and next week's, which you also won't want to miss. Before we dive into things with our featured guest, it's time for the crop report. There's a lot to report this time of year as harvest continues to make its way north. And this segment has been a highlight of the podcast to keep growers and everyone in the industry informed. So here it is, your latest blueberry crop report. It's time now for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets around North America. Today, you'll hear from Doug Kramer in Oregon, followed by Denny Doyle in New Jersey. This report was recorded on July 1st, 2020. Here's Doug Kramer. All areas in Oregon are now harvesting fruit. We're all picking early varieties yet. The southern part of the state might be thinking about getting into their mid-season varieties here really soon. The part of the state I'm from, it's going to be the tail end of next week before we get into our mid-season varieties. Right now, quality is still doing well. We've uh, been experiencing a lot of cloudy, cool weather as opposed to sunny and warm. But they're telling us we're going to get out of that weather pattern after tomorrow. California is dwindling and uh, finishing up their harvest. Eastern Washington is picking at least as furiously as we are. And uh, the other area that competes with us is British Columbia there in Canada. And they've had a very cool and wet spring and early summer, and so they're not into harvest yet. I've heard reports that they're about a week away yet. So at this point in time, most of the fruit from the West Coast is coming out of Oregon and Eastern Washington. So that's my report for this week. Hi, this is Denny Doyle from uh, New Jersey. We're probably seven to 10 days ahead of where Oregon is on the report. You know, we're, this week will be more than likely our peak week. We're finishing up on our dukes going into blue crop and draper at this time. We are seeing some effects of those two nights in the, I guess it was in April. You know, we got some cold temperatures and it might have affected some of the buds. And I think that'll be the story in New Jersey. I'll have a better handle on our volume here in another couple weeks. But the general consensus here that, yeah, there, there was some frost freeze damage here in this state. 
our volume is running about normal, a little bit behind what our usual volume is. This state is able to produce 220,000 flats a day. And we're cruising right now at 160. I'm hoping that will go to 170, 180 here in the next couple of days. But, you know, that remains to be seen. There could be a situation where, you know, that 160, 170 stays at a longer level than normal instead of just peaking up and then, you know, dropping down. I don't think so because we're well moving into our blue crop now and draper. And generally speaking, that transition from Duke to blue crop to and, and draper is really a lot more chaotic. Most growers are reporting a little bit of a shortage on, on hand labor. Generally speaking, with a good crop in New Jersey, that's really emphasized here that they need more hand pickers. But, you know, the scream for hand labor is there, but not as loud as it normally is. And that kind of tells me that this crop might be a little bit off, right, Doug? You know, that being said, as my dad always told me, look, it is what it is. You can't paint any more on the bush. The crop is the crop. You just hope for a good market. You hope for good labor. And, you know, those two factors will determine how your year goes. You know, as it goes right now, here we are. We're in it um, for sure. And, you know, we'll keep you posted as we go. Well, I so appreciate the extra time and effort of our growers from around North America to provide this window of insight into what's happening in real time around the industry blueberry growing regions. Today, I'm pleased to introduce our featured guest, Soren Bjorn, who is the president of Driscoll's of the Americas. As most of you know, Driscoll's is a worldwide leader in production of not only blueberries, but also strawberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Driscoll's produces and distributes about one third of the berries sold in the United States. With more than 100 years of farming heritage and hundreds of independent growers around the world, Driscoll's is passionate about growing fresh, beautiful, and delicious berries. Prior to being promoted to president in 2017, Soren successfully led key business units for Driscoll's. He served as the company's first senior vice president of international business and was responsible for oversight of Driscoll's European, Middle Eastern, and African businesses an Australian-based joint venture and a new startup venture in China. As well, Soren has led Driscoll's global research and breeding programs, which focus on developing proprietary seedlings in order to deliver consistently great-tasting berries to consumers around the globe. Soren, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, great to have you. And we just kind of talked through a little bit about your vast experience. It's certainly one of the things that uh, caught my attention as somebody new to the business when you and I met, but if you could just start off talking about, you know, what your unique experience has been in the production and marketing of the blueberries. Sure. Yeah. I mean, when I got into the berry business 14 years ago, one of the first jobs I got at Driscoll's was actually to lead what we called the blueberry group. Back then we realized that blueberries was quite different from the other berries. And so we actually sort of ran it with a separate team and several of those guys are still around on the team. And now we have it much more integrated into the full berry patch. And so clearly over the last 14 years, the blueberry business has just exploded, right? You know, not only domestically, but worldwide. And we are continuing to see phenomenal growth. And this is a good example of when you deliver what consumers are really after, you can really grow a lot. That's really what uh, we sort of collectively have done in the blueberry business the last 14 years. And 
been really fun to be part of that ride, but we've still got a long ways to go. Yeah. Well, and jumping in on that kind of blue wave as has always been discussed. Talk to me a little bit about what specifically you've seen in that growth, that wave we've experienced. What do you identify as drivers in the blueberry category? Well, I mean, I think it's uh, blueberries are simply in the sweet spot of where consumers want to be. It's healthy. It tastes good. So, you know, that's a lot of produce that's healthy, but doesn't taste very good. Blueberries taste good. And then it's super convenient. It's really the most convenient of all the berries, right? And it's, it sort of has that right size that, you know, even little fingers can eat them. And then the other thing that's happened is that the product has just gotten better and better and better and more and more available. And so when I got into the business, you had a winter deal that was in Chile and Argentina. And then you had the traditional summer deal you know, mostly up and down the East Coast and then a little bit up in the Pacific Northwest. Now it's a year-round business. And we know from all the berries that the more you can make the product available year-round, the more engaged consumers are going to be. And so you sort of have this perfect combination of year-round engagement, health, convenience, and taste good. I think you hit on an interesting perspective that you have as Driscoll, certainly the strawberry category. And so berries, generally speaking, have enjoyed you know a significant rise in popularity over those same years that blueberries was enjoying the wave. But describe to me from your perspective, what factors have contributed to blueberries growth versus strawberries or how you see your experience with strawberries having a shared relationship to blueberries or not? Well, there are some similarities, but the growth in strawberries has been a lot more incremental. It's clear the category has been around for a long time. We were largely year round for, we've been there for a long time now. And so our improvements in the strawberry category were very incremental. You know, we've improved the product a little bit here, improved the product a little bit here. But in, in blueberries, you really had some breakthrough changes in the last 10, 14 years. With a lot of it is around the genetics, right? So we all know that it primarily started as this northern highbush category, you know, natively from the northeast of the Americas. But really with the emergence of the southern highbush and all the breeding programs that were focused on that, it just unlocked all these things that we didn't realize were possible. And so you now have production regions around the world that just almost weren't around 10 years ago, Mexico, Peru, Morocco, parts of Australia, you know, now southern China. And those regions all got unlocked through the innovation that was driven by the genetics. And that has really been the key to creating this category. So the year-round access, the genetics, I know, you know, having sat in your office and looking at a variety of different blueberries you had on your desk there, just knowing that those genetics have helped unlock that potential, not just in where they're growing, but, you know, how they taste, flavor, firmness. So talk a little bit about your experience with those genetics and how that's improving for blueberries. Yeah, this is where there's some similarities today between blueberries and the other berries. The category was really built on the back of public programs, right? Public varieties, really only universities were in the blueberry breeding business. That was really true with the other berries as well. But when the private companies then came in and got their own breeding programs, things really began to change because we tend to go much, much faster. We have a commercial objective in our breeding program. And so the combination of the public programs and the private programs really accelerated the genetic development. And fortunately, in blueberries, there was quite good collaboration between the public programs, particularly University of Florida, and the private programs like ours, but not only ours, many others as well. And that collaboration really accelerated things quite dramatically. 
that is what has allowed all sorts of other innovation to unlock. A lot of times the genetic on its own is not enough. You also got to have people that are willing to go and explore new geographies. You know, we didn't know that it was possible to grow blueberries essentially on the equator in Peru. A lot of people had tried to do it in Mexico and hadn't succeeded. But really the combination of people that had the economic know-how, the willingness to go to a faraway place, and then the genetics is really what created what is today possible. And that is very much going to be a big part of the story going forward. You know, for those that are listening, just the way that the blueberry production hits throughout the year, and it's really, you know, been a uh, up and down seasonality for blueberries over time. And so what you're describing is just the the way that that kind of level sets from your perspective on accessibility and where that growth comes from based on regions. So talk about, you know, Peru and Mexico, Argentina, Morocco, a little bit about where you see, you know, the the next frontier for blueberries. Yeah. I mean, if you were in my office 12, 13 years ago, and you sat in on our strategic planning for blueberries, you, you would have looked at a, at a curve that was quite obvious. You know, you had this big peak in the summertime and then a, a similar peak, but not quite as big in the wintertime. And then you put out a, a, a price curve. And of course, that was inversely related to that. And whatever it was interested in, where the price is the highest. I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? So we all looked at what's possible, okay, to go after the periods where the prices are high, or the highest. But just like that happened in my office, okay, that happened in a, every blueberry company around the world could look at those same things. It was so obvious, right, that that's where the opportunity was. The question was, what can you do to unlock it? And the spring part of it turned out to actually be a little bit easier because it was a little bit more like season extension. And then the fall was actually way more difficult. But actually now the fall is really what is quite successful, you know, with Peru, right? But that, that whole effort, we, we're seeing the fruition of those efforts that we all started, you know, 10, 12 years ago. And I mentioned all the regions around the world, like Morocco, similar, you know, right in the springtime for the European market. And that used to be, you know, Lake Chilean Elliot on a boat for 30 days. And now it's the premium, premium, low chill varieties from every single breeding program around the world, the Costa program, the MBO program, you know, ours and so forth. And everybody is there. So not only have you created supply at a time of year when there used to be no supply, you actually have a far superior product. And that's beginning to squeeze out the more traditional growing regions, right? And so that's what we're seeing. In particular, the Southern Hemisphere is at risk, right? Because they have the additional disadvantage of being far away from the market. So when you put the fruit on a boat for another 20, 25, 30 days, then you're at a disadvantage compared to somebody who's close to the market. And that's what you're seeing is first Argentina is largely becoming irrelevant in the global blueberry market. And now Chile is getting squeezed into this narrow window. But what you're seeing in this next phase was for a lot of our members here is way more painful is that actually now you begin to see that the domestic production that were on the fringes, but really relied on these very high prices, they're beginning to suffer. So, you know, on the front end, that's obviously regions like Florida and Southern California, okay, where, you know, we had a little bit bigger presence. So coastal California, where you can produce quite early. And Florida, you know, that relied on quite high prices compared to the summertime. And they're struggling getting that cost down fast enough to be competitive with these new production regions. And so you take a Sinaloa versus, versus Florida or Sinaloa versus Southern California, 
they just got a huge advantage in, in St. Law because they're starting with the latest genetics and they kind of know what the future is going to look like in their own mind. They know that it's going to look like the summer. So their expectations as to where they need to get on cost is very, very different than if you invested into a high cost production period with high prices. And now you're just seeing the prices coming down and down and down. But the reality, I think, is that, and this is a big part of what's going to keep growing the business, is that prices will come down. They won't be, become quite like bananas, okay, where the price is the same pretty much every week, year round. And it maybe it doesn't come all the way down to the prices that we have in July, but it's going to get a lot closer. So April is going to look more like July. October and November is going to look more like July. And if you don't have that mindset Okay, then I don't think you can compete going forward. And I know that's that's very, very difficult if you sort of invested into a deal that used to have a very high price. But that isn't unique to blueberries. I can tell you we've seen that in, in all the berries. We, we still see that in some of the other berries where we used to have periods of very, very high prices. And now it's no longer there because we have figured out how to create the supply at a competitive cost. So in that way, I think you and I talked previously just about what your advice is for those producers. And I don't think this is just domestic. I think Chile's facing a lot of the same challenge. So when you look at what you just described as the future forward for those folks who have enjoyed otherwise high prices, what is your sense of the position they're in and the advice you might have for the way forward here? Well, I think the best thing you can do is to really go out and understand what is possible. We really try to advise our own growers of doing this. Okay, I can tell you, we were supposed to have a very large contingency of our Mexican growers go to Peru for the uh, International Blueberry Congress Okay, down there here in August. Okay, so that's not happening this year. But it's so important that you understand whether you are running an individual farm or a large business, that you understand what you're up against. It's a lot easier to compete against the known than it is to compete against the unknown. And it's very easy to, I think, sort of dream up scenarios about things that you don't know anything about. And so if you haven't been out there to see it, you really need to go and see it, okay? And we really encourage our growers to do that all the time. We take our growers to the marketplace, show them what's in the marketplace. We take them to competitive regions and show them what's going on in competitive regions. And if that isn't in the Americas, you know, somewhere else around the world, then we try to do that. Because then, and then as an individual grower, you can try to figure out, can I get there? You know, for example, in Florida, I think it's possible to get there. But I really think that you need to move to the much more southern part of Florida, sort of Lake Placid, you know, Palm Beach County, not by the coast, inland, okay, was way cheaper, and try to compete in a very different production system than the traditional Florida production system. Right. So I think you got to get into some kind of evergreening system, okay, which is really the way to grow today and not a system that relies on Dormex, which is how the Florida, you know, a lot of the Florida industry was created originally. And so my encouragement is just for people really to go out there and really try to understand is it possible for them to compete? And I would argue that for most it is possible, but you got to be willing to reinvent yourself. Well, and, and, you know, as we look forward into the new normal, blueberries obviously owning that health halo, what advice do you have for me or USHBC or, or our promotion committee of which, you know, we've got John Johnson serving on in focusing our time and attention in that area? 
Well, we always have to listen to the consumers, right? And so what is it that they want next? Okay. And that's, that's a tricky job. It's not an, that's not a straightforward job because they, sometimes they don't know uh, what they really want next. Okay. But you got to go and listen to them and try to pick up on the signals. Okay. And then who are the consumers we're not getting to today and why are we not getting to them? And we're getting to about half the households in North America. Strawberries still get to 70% of all the households. How are we going to close the gap? I mean, to me, that's the challenge. We got to close that gap, right? You know, we got to get, we got to get blueberries in seventy percent of all the households. Okay, that's really, I would argue, no reason why that's not possible. Absolutely, I would pick your brain about that a little bit because Soren, they will tell you, marketers will tell you, not marketers like you, but you know, uh, agency work. They'll say the non-buyers are your dead end. Trying to convert someone who doesn't eat you today is going to be way more expensive than trying to get people who eat what you provide them and just get them to become heavy. What's your response to that? Is it when you look at that household penetration rate and especially compared to strawberries, which you would know specifically, what's your thinking on how we drive that conversion? Because that is a huge runway of opportunity and yet arguably very difficult to bring along. Well, I think what you're going to get is the heavy consumers. Okay. They are automatically going to go buy more because of what we're doing, because we're going to make a lot more available at quite affordable prices, right? So Instead of having six ounce clamshells at $4.99 or $5.99 in October and November, you know, they're gonna be, you know, pints or 18 ounces, okay, at a really, really affordable price. That on its own will will let the heavy consumers just buy more, okay, than what they already do. If you have the opportunity, and I'm not saying that that's always possible, okay, to bring new households into the category, which clearly we have been doing, because there's a lot more households in the category today than there were 10 years ago. We got to continue that effort. We got to understand what it is that's keeping households from buying our category. And we know that other countries like the UK, the household penetration is higher, for example. We see big differences in the different barriers between different geographies around the world. And we see in this case that the household penetration for blueberries is about 50%. So it's about half the households, not quite there yet, I don't think. And strawberries is 70%. And strawberries has been at 70% for a long time and it hasn't moved. And there comes a point where there is really no return trying to get more households. And the issue in the case of strawberries, the issue isn't try to go and get more households, okay? That category has very different issues. But in blueberries, we have the opportunity to actually do both, okay? And that's quite rare. The tactics are different, right? You know, because when you're talking to an existing consumer and how you get to them is different than trying to talk to a consumer you don't even have that's never bought you. So you got to do some of both, okay? You know, and that, that is splitting your dollars. But for the long-term health and viability of the category, it's so important to get more households into the category. And I think that works okay because it's blueberries sort of don't sort of just dramatically jump in volume from one year to the next, you know, which strawberries can do because it's an annual planting. Blueberries, it takes time. You know, we can see how many trees are getting planted, you know, around the world. We can kind of sort of project the pace at which we're going to grow. So we can have a little bit of patience, okay? particularly in North America, where we're working off a big base to begin with. Europe is crazy right now. The, the growth rate is phenomenal, but it started so low. So to me, the, the key is uh, for the USHBC is to, to do some of both. And I think we should set very clear targets and saying, we should try to get to the household penetration of strawberries. I mean, not in five years, well, okay, but maybe in 10 years. I, I absolutely uh, appreciate that challenge because it no doubt has its consequence. But I think with leadership like yours, obviously, I mentioned uh, John being our, on our committee 
and just the influence of of marketers like yourself thinking through with us, you know, with your retailer relationships. There's so much good data. You know, having just got off a, another call with Kroger's 8451 team, it just makes sense to try to understand that shopper better. And to the extent that we have all this great resource, you know, content we've already created, but also health research that we already have concluded to try and bring that non-buyer along. I totally agree with you. I think there's tremendous opportunity ahead for blueberries in that space of kind of catching up with where strawberries has been. Let's talk organic. As I see in the data we have on organic blueberries, you have the same insights, but has our current circumstance in 2020 changed the trajectory of the growth for blueberries? Has it improved it, hurt it? Talk to me about where where organics are right now. I think realistically, it, it may hit a little bit of a wobble here. We shouldn't ignore the fact that the economy is taking a big hit, you know, obviously a huge amount of people out of, out of work. And we know in periods of when difficult, uh, so general economic times, that organics hasn't fared as well. But in our opinion, that doesn't take away from the longer term outlook. Okay. And so I think Blueberries does have the luxury of, of looking a little bit further out. So I think it'll be fine. You know, I mean, you know, I think if we could have our way, we think the organics is going to be somewhere between... 25 to 35% of all the sales in sort of an idealized blueberry world, okay? You know, if we can just draw the curve and get the supply from all the places we want to get the supply from, we've got a long ways to get there. The biggest opportunity in organics right now is that we have quite significant periods with very limited supply and therefore very high prices. And we're turning off a lot of consumers when that happens. So we're losing the consumers we have. We're about to go into a period here in July where we will have a lot of organic supply Prices are really, really good. The quality is generally quite good. And we, we bring lots of people in. But then we are following the Pacific Northwest in this case with Peru, which Peru hasn't really figured out how to solve the organic supply yet. And that's a problem because you know all these consumers we have in, in the organic category are not going to leave us because we can't service them. So that to me is the number one priority in, in organic category is to try to get that supply created. And I do some of these things, some of these things is you know, regions that are otherwise under pressure, okay, from in the conventional category, they might be able to find opportunities there. So I think, for example, like the coast of California today is, I mean, it's not a very big region, okay, but it's largely organic now because that's sort of a niche, but it can compete a little bit because others just can't deliver the solution. So there's still a lot of room in the organic category. And... Um, those are very important consumers because those tend to be the wealthiest consumers. They're the consumers with the most money, you know, and we really want them in our category. Well, and I think we have them. You know, I think we've been driving for them. And in our previous episode, Brian Bocock from NatureRipe talking through some of the challenges we face during what I think is this economic downturn. But at the same time, you know, certainly we've got a lot of plants in the ground, and I think that organics are here to grow the category. And so, you know, I appreciate hearing your insights. I, you know what, look, I've heard you are a big fan of Winston Churchill. So what takeaways in your mind can the blueberry industry glean from him? Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit of a history buff, okay, and I've always liked Winston Churchill and I've gotten to visit his home in Chartwell in the south of England. And But what always fascinated me about Winston Churchill was that we all know about all his success stories that have been well celebrated. But when you actually uh, really read about the man, you realize how many 
difficult periods in his life that he went through. And I think that's really true for, you know, in any career you're in, you know, you have ups and downs, okay, but it's really, what are you doing with the difficult periods? And what are you learning from those that makes the person or makes the company? And I think that's the same is true here for the industry is that we are seeing winners and losers, okay, we're seeing things that really work, we're seeing things that don't work. I would really just encourage all our members is that from the stuff that's not working or the stuff that looks like it's about to lose, what can we learn from it, okay, to make it way better? And I think that's how you progress and, and win and go forward. So that's what's always fascinated me about Churchill. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, again, I really appreciate your time today. I appreciate you joining us on the business of blueberries. We're excited that this is a platform we've launched and uh, counting on leaders like you to help us kind of understand the way forward here and in innovation and productivity. And you certainly have shared a lot with us today that I think a lot of people can take and think about and consider as, as we move forward together as an industry. So thank you very much. Thank you. At this point in the podcast, we'd like to direct you to resources that can help you grow your business. If you haven't heard, July is National Blueberry Month. Our team at USHBC is rolling out a National Blueberry Month toolkit, complete with 10 mouthwatering summer recipes, five ready-to-go social media posts, one for each week of the Blueberry Month, plus a brand new National Blueberry Month seal that you can share with retailers and use on your websites and in your own marketing materials. We're also providing our blueberry health infographic and health research background are perfect for registered dietitians and health professionals. We hope to see all of you participating with us in sharing positive blueberry messages throughout the entire month of July. You can find the National Blueberry Month Toolkit on our website at ushbc.org slash resources. Well, I couldn't appreciate more of the opportunity we had to hear from Soren today. Uh, he sure has a lot of history and insight. So some of the things I take away from talks with Soren, and, and this one was no different, was just the depth of understanding the blueberry business in particular and where he sees the future and things like genetics and the understanding of where the year-round supply makes a difference in you know, the callback to consumers who we, we would otherwise lose like the organic segment. The other thing that strikes me about my conversation with Soren today is just how much more opportunity there is in blueberries. That for those that are listening that are wondering, you know, what the future might look like or is there a future in this business? I, I think we heard from someone who really understands how much more there is and the opportunity to go get it. And so to the extent that today's episode inspired you, I certainly feel like it's inspired me to kind of be thinking about our business differently, looking at opportunities that we haven't thought about. And to the extent that the world is changing around us, how are we looking at taking advantage of that change? If you found this episode valuable and insightful, be sure to subscribe to hear part two with Soren next week. We'd also appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. This is a, a unique community of people who are listening to the business of blueberries today. Please share this with your colleagues. Pass this episode to somebody that you think would find this interesting and inspiring and, and encourage them to subscribe to the business of blueberries. I want to thank all of you for listening today. We'll be back with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the business of blueberries. We'll